Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. Welcome to Freedom to Choose, and once again, our new series, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison. And for anybody that wants a reference, this is program eight, Freedom to Choose, program number eight. And how's everything going, Susan? It's it's going well. We send in some books out, aren't we? We're sending some of our workbooks out. So if anybody would like a free copy, you can contact us at uh, justasiamministries.com. Send us a, um, a request in the Contact Us area, or you can give us a call at 916-6... I want to give you my cell phone number. <laughs> Go ahead. Give your cell phone number. 916 yeah, and just so, give us your name and address, and we'll get one sent out to you. Or if you'd like to talk, you can leave a message, and we'll definitely give you a call back. Yeah, as long as you can sit through the the message to, yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, and so we're using also using this book in Folsom Prison, the women's facility, and it's going qu- quite well. And uh, we're seeing a lot of changes, and you know, um, with addictive behaviors, and with, um, you know, I once heard a guy say. Uh, um, a relapse ends when the guy picks up his drink. Mm-hmm. That's when the relapse ends. Mm-hmm. In other words, something drives someone to to pick up and put something in their body that they have no clue what's going to happen after they do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so what what this book helps is to understand how the brain works, how the mind works, how. Um, God allowing somebody's heart to change with new principles and new motives and new purposes. and um, Right, because it's not just about drugs and alcohol. It's not. And it I has think nothing, that, that, that's not the problem. That's the solution. Right, because I think, well, and I think everybody out there struggles with things in their lives that um, take control over us that we would prefer that they not. You know, the whatever it may be, whether it's, workaholism or anger or pride or jealousy or greed, whatever it may be, those things that are of a different nature than a spiritual nature, you know, and God wants to come and to heal us from the, those things that bind us. That, that's the real bondage in our life is the things that, that cause us to stay in that lower nature like Paul talks about. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and then it's so hard to, to live sober with all that going on between your ears about the guilt and the remorse and the, you know, following your own inclinations. And, you know, I've said many times I'm, I wasn't a problem drinker. I was a problem sober, mm-hmm. you know, because right. I just couldn't live inside my own skin sober. And, so. and see, I think that's the thing. I think there's a lot of people out there that don't like living in their lives, you know, 
in their own skin. And it, you know, it transcends that drug and alcohol, it transcends. And that's, so this book is what focuses on the, on the principles that help us to be healed from that selfish, sinful nature. Yeah. And what's wrong with the mind and, 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 you know, how it operates and what principles it needs to operate on. And you can identify then what principles that you've been operating on and how detrimental they, they can be to you. And and God's solution. That's yeah, the beautiful God's, thing. God has a solution for all of our illnesses. You yeah, know? it's so, God's solution. His principles are the solution. Yeah, uh, Susan, you want to uh, begin with a word of prayer? Yes. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you again for an opportunity to talk about your principles and counterfeit principles. Uh, we just pray that you'll send your spirit to guide our talk and to um, bless the message that we're, we're speaking of today. And okay. we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, thank you, Susan. Now, yes. We're on program Eight Loves Counterfeits, and uh, you're going to read a story. I'm going to read a story, and this is this is a, from the book, and it's Dr. Jennings is—, is is the one telling this story, and I'm sure you'll you'll get that from from while I'm reading. Uh, Love is not controlling. Beep, beep, beep. My pager startled me awake. The display number was quite familiar to me, the ICU of the Hamilton Medical Clinic in Dalton, Georgia. After I had returned the call, the nurse reported that they had just admitted a young man named Jerry who had tried to kill himself by an overdose of medication. The hospital hospital wanted me to evaluate his further suicide risk. When I met Jerry, he was lying in the hospital bed with EKG wires running across his chest. An IV in his left forearm was connected to an infusion machine, and the monitor steadily beeped in the background. The charcoal given to neutralize the drugs he had taken blackened his teeth, and dried charcoal was visible on his cheek where he had dribbled onto his hospital gown. His hair was oily and uncombed, and his face was unshaven and unwashed. After a few minutes of casual conversation to establish a rapport with him, I asked Jerry, what's going on in your life that brought you to the point of suicide? Beginning to cry, he told me that his wife was leaving him. He said, I want her to come back. I want her to regret leaving and decide to stay. I love her too much to let her go. I told her if she left me, I would kill myself. So I asked, why would you try to kill yourself if she no longer wanted to be with you? And Jerry said, because I love her. While Jerry clearly had strong feelings for his wife, his behavior was far from loving. In fact, it violated the law of love and liberty. His focus was not on the health, welfare, and happiness of his wife, but on himself. He was operating from selfishness, not love. If she stayed simply because she feared that he would harm himself if she left, her love for him would die and resentment would build in its place. Wow, what an interesting but almost scary story, isn't it? Right. To get to that point. Now, and that's what we're going to talk about today is love's counterfeits, mm-hmm. because there's there's a lot out there. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, about the word we throw around, love, because it has so many meanings. I mean... True love's difficult to find because of the counterfeits they that masquerade as you know the the English language makes this even more difficult because the word love has so many meanings and connotations. We love our cars, we love to go to movies, we love our college football t- team. You know this type of love is extremely self-centered and could more actually 
accurately be called attachment or identification with. You know, and the way we, I mean, it kind of reminds me, we use the, the, the word love so um, commonly, if you will, that it becomes common. It's almost like the word awesome, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That word a long time ago was only attributed to God. Right. And now we throw it, I mean, if a guy does something with a skateboard, we mm-hmm. say it's awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just throw words around and they become common, Right, you know? because we have passions for objects or activities that drive from self-gratification or self-exaltation. So why do we love our Mercedes? Because of how it makes us feel, because feel. of the status. Yeah. Why do we love our college teams? Because we've tried our personal sense of, because we tied our personal sense of identity and even an aspect of our self-worth to their success. And that's interesting, tying part of your self-worth to an object or, you know, even your home or mm-hmm. your, um, and then you, you any become, of your possessions. Any of your possessions or people, to attaching your self worth to people or what people say. Right. I love that guy because he's, uh, gives me a pat on the back every other day. And, you know, and so it becomes part of who we are. We identify with, you know, the shiny dangly thing, mm-hmm. this or that. And we call it, you know, we love. throw it and call it love. Right. You know, ooh, I love that or this right. and that. And 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 love is is a whole. It's a principle. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a you know a universal principle of giving. It's what love is, regardless of of you know how you feel or what it how it affects you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so what happens? How do people respond when their teams begin to lose? If it's a team they really 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 love, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you if you love, uh, oh I don't know, cowboys. And you really, really love them. How do you respond when they when they lose? Um, it's not really consistent with godlike love because they become more and more hateful. Oh, and you see that just everywhere in life, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's an interesting concept. It's, you the know, more you we would, we say we love, but then our egos become bruised. Yeah, and then we, you know, we lash have these out. bad attitudes, right? We lash out in self-protection, right? Yeah, and that's the danger in attaching yourself to someone just because you want to impress them or make sure that they speak highly of you. Because one of these days they're going to let you down. Mm-hmm. It's going to offend or hurt you, and there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, now, there, now, there's a problem, right? You know, um, another counterfeit love is eros love or erotic love or sensual love, and it basically um goes one of the to one of the very cores of our um our nature you know when we talked about back in uh i think program uh number 2 and number 3 about uh the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life which mm-hmm. is sensualism uh materialism and egotism mm-hmm. right and eros love hits right on the well it hits on two it hits on the the mater- uh the egotism and the sensualism mm-hmm. I mean, some. I mean, when I was young, some guys were proud of their promiscuous behavior, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it fed right into their their Egos. ego, right? Right, and and then we will also use eros love to manipulate mm-hmm. to get what we want, or if someone upsets us, we withhold it, mm-hmm. you know, and and see. So eros love's a counterfeit, and you know, it's the it's a firing pin for. Adultery, mm-hmm. or, right. or or it's the firing pin for pornography. Right. It's that 
counterfeit when somebody's we're so attracted to someone, but it's it's tagging our sensualism, our our, our lust of the flesh part of our, our being, and we're, it's not coming up when we're not using our reason and our conscience, or we have selfish motives. Because uh, I don't know of a father that brags about an adulterous affair to his children mm-hmm. or a mother. Right. What do we do? We hide it because we're not proud of it, right? right? In other words, it's our lower nature gone wild, mm-hmm. right? So this eros love is is the, basically the firing pin for that, that it's a counterfeit of love, right? Right. But the big one I think we want to talk about is dependency, don't we? Right, because um, that's the one... Uh, counterfeit that that frequently gets mistaken for true love and and that's why it's so destructive it's like the most destructive things of all counterfeits it's so well camouflaged that many people actually accept it as true love and we know this this uh counterfeit as dependency Dependency. so what is dependency is it is it a relationship based on clinging and self-centered need on mutual love and respect uh or it's yeah. It's definitely not on mutual love and respect. It's basically self-centered need. It occurs when a person looks to another to be the source and supply of an internal craving, such as peace, security, confidence, well-being, self-worth. Basing a relationship on such an internal need will impair the ability to give, because a person seeks a um, because they seek such a relationship in order to satisfy a personal drive. In other right. words, it's a selfish, uh, it's a selfish situation. And I think it goes both ways. It can, you know, you, it's a selfish, um, that's it's selfish from the person that's taking and the person that's giving it, because everybody's getting getting a part something out of it. Right? They're getting something, but neither one are give, give, give. Uh, you know. Right, it's uh, it's all coming from a from a self centered, uh, you know, place. And independent relationships, the feelings are extremely intense, but typically erratic and unstable. So relationships that are characterized by dependency are similar to like a roller coaster. It's always swinging between extreme ups and extreme downs. Typically, the relationship involves intense attraction and arousal, followed by severe irritability and argument accompanied by a few periods of calm. You know, I, I've observed relationships like that. Um, I used to be in relationships like that. You used to gravitate to those, did Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've been in a few, mm-hmm. you know, and I just think, once again, it draw, we, we have to go back to the law of love and the violation of the law of love. When we become self-centered, we look at life through that lens, and then the relationship becomes one, what what can I get from the relationship? Right. Are my needs being met? Or we can be on the other end and we get a sixth sense of our needs being met by giving mm-hmm. and having someone attached to us because mm. they can't live without us. And so we're getting our our whatever it may be fulfilled because somebody is dependent upon us. Right, exactly. So it, you know, it flows both ways. Yeah, you know, and you look back at the at, at Jerry's relationship back in the story that you read, um, there was intense feelings of attraction, but it followed, you know, there was manipulation. He was trying to manipulate her, and uh, 
to get what he needed by manipulation. And so she was not so as as difficult as it looked and maybe from family or friends, she wasn't going to play the part of that game because it would have been hurtful for her and hurtful for him. So she made the tough decision to walk away. Right. Even though Jerry, you know, made the decision to try to commit suicide, it was the most healthiest thing for both of them, even though he ended up harming himself. Right. Because if she would have stayed in because of this threat, then that would have been constantly hanging over her head, and she would have been sicker and sicker and sicker. Right. And so how many of us do participate in those relationships? We see it all the time. We see it with um, parents and children. We see it with parents and adult children. Sometimes we see it with adult children and elderly parents, mm-hmm. where there's a dependent relationship where someone else is running our lives because of fear and and whatever all those emotions are that keep us in a in a chaotic and unhealthy relationship. You're so dependent. It's like an like a like a navy diver and an oxygen coming down, and you're just dependent on that on that tube coming down. You know, you need to, uh, you need the constant supply of of oxygen. Um, somebody brings you. You know, I mean, imagine yourself. You're drowning underwater, and someone brings you an airline. Would you value the person? Would you have intense feelings for the individual? Would you want to hold on to him or her? And how would you feel if he or she decided to leave and take the airline with them? Right. And, you know, so many individuals can be so dependent on the emotional support from those in whom they rely on that they experience the threat of losing them as a source of their nurturance with the same fear and anxiety that the diver would if they were threatened to be cut off by the air supply. It feels like they're going to die. Going to die because right. it placed so much of their identity and so much of their dependence on that person. You know, the anxiety is so atten- intense, a person's dependence in the relationship goes to extremes and takes de- desperate measures to prove their quote unquote love to the, you know, to the ones they depend on in order to convince them to stay. And, uh, you know, if, people don't return the inf- the affection, often the dependent person will threaten to harm themselves just like Jerry did. Right. You know, or even to those on whom they cling, they'll even threaten to harm the person they're trying to keep. Right. And Jerry clung to his wife for a sense of well-being because without her, the sense of emptiness and of individuality became so great that he was, um, you know, the disintegration of that, it became so great that he was willing to risk his life in an attempt to to maintain control of her. But if Jerry's wife were to stay because of his threat to kill himself, she would lose her freedom and become a hostage to his threats. Exactly. And eventually she would develop resentment and rebellion, and the marriage would be doomed to failure. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Once someone starts to manipulate and... They become dependent. They get. They start to get weird. They start to manipulate. They start to, to because uh, of the fear of of losing the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, just or, or you know the fear of the rejection and all that stuff. Well, and I think that it can happen with um, you know a parent and a child, and we come across that experience quite often because a lot of times we're we could be dealing with a um, a, a child in a in a family unit that. Um, is struggling with drugs or alcohol or whatever. And it's very difficult for a parent to let the consequences of choices to, to befall 
the child. So a lot of times we'll get a call, well, my, my son or daughter's in jail, and, and our response is, that is fantastic news. But their first desire is, i got to get an attorney, and you know I've, I've got to be to the court date, and I'm trying to raise the bail money because I need to get them to rehab. And so there's all these things that the parent wants to do to solve the problem for the child. But the thing is, we always say is, does the child want the problem solved? Well, and, they, it, and a lot of times they don't. They're 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 in deep in their addiction, and they're just looking for a salute, the quick fix to get out of wherever they're at. Yeah, you know, you say okay to the person, you know, how old is your child? They're right. not, oh, they're nineteen. Well, then that's not your problem, right? That, that what they're going through is not your problem, right? And that's very difficult for a parent to accept, especially if things haven't gotten as bad as you know when you say how old is your child and they said well they're 39 you know they've been through they've been right they've been through many years but we become so dependent because we're needed and if we're not there to make things better then things are just going to fall apart and it's just we're kind of putting ourselves in the place of god well and let's talk about guilt in that because once you have that relationship and now you're afraid that if you're not stepping up to the plate and bailing them out and making sure they have a place to go to now they're on the streets and you're feeling really guilty. Right. Because you've taken on something and not allowed somebody to suffer the consequences of their own actions. So you've taken it on and basically interrupted the natural progression of things where someone, you know, you play, you pay. And, you know, the thing is, is, but I love them. And sometimes the loving thing to do is the hardest thing to do, which is to let the consequences go where they need to go. Yeah, you gotta let, you've got to let nature take its course sometimes, because if not, there's, if there's no consequences to these actions, these actions will continue. Right. They will continue and continue. Um, and then, of course, a lot of times we, we're, when we're dealing with people and, and their parents are involved— it's kind of nice to see um, the parents get involved in the actual uh, the actual recovery of the child, and but but they stand firm. In other words, the child comes home and they're they're either drunk or they're using. Then the parents say, "No, you're not staying here." Right. The door is locked. The door is locked. But if you want to go to an AA meeting, I'll take you there. I'll right. be glad to take you there. You know, or whatever. But so you know, there's nothing wrong with being involved in that regard. But 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 setting boundaries to uh, is very important, right? Because heartstrings, we all have those really strong heartstrings that tie us to, you know, to the ones that we love. And when we see people in pain, you know, our first desire is to relieve that pain. But sometimes that pain is is self inflicted, and um, you know. Ultimately, um, there are a lot of times when we should be helping, but there is probably more times, more times than not that we shouldn't be helping. Because what happens once you you step in every time to to bail them out? What happens if you step in? Where does it? Where, where is the center? It's always in the abuser. Right. The center is always there. So you continue to allow them to be the center of the universe. Continually, and continually, and continually, you know. And as long as they're the center of all the action, then all the problems that they have are huge. Right. They got a lot of problems. They're big problems. They're, and so then we take care of those problems, and more problems come up, and they're just huge. And they're because they're the center of everything. Right. And the person that's dependent in the dependent relationship, the other person, the enabler, if you will, 
it, it gets consumed with that, but then they, it fills a need for them. Right, exactly. That they've got to help. And, and they've, so both sides are the counterfeits of what love truly right, does. Right, that is not love. I mean, love love does the hard things. Love does the difficult things. Love, you know, bows a child over and allows them to get a lumbar puncture if it's necessary. Lo- love does all kinds of hard, hard things, you know, and it will do that. And so this this dependency is really really big, in uh, in addiction recovery. It's also big in 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 identifying love's counterfeits. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and it's big in having a healthy relationship. You, yeah, it with, has having a healthy relationship, and you know, um, it'd be good to examine your relationship. Is it get you know with your spouse or with a child? Is it getting better and stronger, or is it getting more stressful and more tense? Mm-hmm. You know, identify what am I doing in my relationships. How are they? Are they healthy? And you know, there's excellent information in the workbook. Yes, and so yes. please, if you if you want a a copy of it, we're giving it away for free. Yes, so you can call us at nine one six six four five one two nine seven. And you know what? We're going to have to wrap it up again. So uh, once again, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.